Hi, folks. Welcome to the Wildlife and You podcast, where we talk about wildlife and wildlife conservation in ways that make sense. I'm your host, Stephanie Payne, here with my favorite co-host, Daryl Ratajak. Um, a few weeks ago, we promised you that we'd keep it light for a few weeks and do some educational species-based podcasts. Last week, we dabbled in a whole bunch of species, and I talked quite a bit about one of my favorite topics, backyard birds. This week, I promised Daryl that we'd focus on a species of his choosing. So, Daryl, what are we going to talk about today? Well, I'm going to try something new today, and I'm going to see if you can guess what species, and just so you know, we are only going to talk about one species today. So, what do you say I... I try to mimic the sound of the animal I want to talk about, and you guess what it is. This this is actually going to really, really test my my natural calling abilities. Oh, I don't I don't know. I mean, it could be fun. <laughs> it's not going to be trust me, <laughs> at least not for me. But <laughs> now, keep in mind, Steph, I have never done this sound before this week, but I have been practicing. So, are you ready? Mm, I'm waiting here on pins and needles, bud. Okay, I'm shaking, but imagine me shaking my hands out. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, what what the heck was that? <laughs> Besides it, laughing, <laughs> it sounded like a cow kind of having some labor pains yes i knew you were <laughs> i knew you would get it that's you you just nailed it so we're talking about pregnant cows yeah kind of sort of actually uh maybe not pregnant cows per se but kind of sort of like in the mood cows well at least that was the call i was trying to do but damn i'm kind of proud of myself that that you actually guessed that so I am hoping one day to use that exact same call on a hunt. So you're hunting for promiscuous cows? No, well, probably not the cows. I'd actually be hunting bulls instead. They're obviously attracted to that cow call during the mating season. So that's why I'm practicing the cow call. The why the heck are you going hunting after uh, bulls and cows? I mean, you can just go to the grocery store and buy a packet of meat or burger or something like that instead, you know? I mean, because now I have to worry about some bull thinking that you're looking for love. <laughs> yeah, I would have to worry about that too, but how many grocery stores do you know that sell moose meat? Moose. <laughs> you know, sometimes I really do when I kick you. Why didn't you just come out and say <laughs> moose in the first place? Because I wanted you to guess it. You know what? Just just forget about it. So you were able to pick any animal in the world to talk about, and you picked a moose. May I ask why? Well, would you rather I pick bears? No. No, no bears. Moose is good. Um, but really, moose. Yeah, because moose rule. Um, okay, you got to give me a little more than that, bud. Yeah, I figured I'd have to. But anyway, they, they do rule, just so you know. But to be perfectly honest with you, Steph, just so everyone else knows, this is my very, very first podcast from my new home in Utah. Finally, I got here. Um, I will tell you, I am sitting in my office area in the upstairs, 
and I am overlooking a beautiful mountain view and I'll send that, I'll send you a picture of that stuff. And um, the mountain I'm looking at, I am so thrilled because this is like the first time in my life I am going to be living in a state where I can actually take a hike in the mountains that I'm looking at right now and I can actually come across the continent's biggest cervid, the mighty, mighty moose. Mighty, mighty. You know what? Mighty <laughs> moose reminds me of a cartoon from childhood. Oh, yeah. You are totally aging yourself right now. <laughs> anyway, so you seem to hold moose in high esteem. I do, because, like, what's actually not to like about them? Be besides being the largest member of the deer family, they are honking adorable because, well, you know what it looks like. They're so goofy looking, but in real life, they're like real life badasses. Like, seriously, you don't want to mess with a moose. And I tell you what, Steph, you are absolutely amazing in your ability to describe the physical features of animals. So I'm now that you know that we're talking about moose and not like the old dairy cow out there. Can you take a stab at describing the overall appearance of a moose to our listeners? Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure, you know, all of our listeners are are probably familiar with what a moose looks like. Um, and if there's any of them as old as you, they probably grew up watching Bullwinkle. <laughs> hey, now, that was a really, really good show. And just so you know, you just called some of our listeners like old as dirt like me. Well, I mean, I was just saying that most people probably have a good idea of what a moose looks like. But, but let's put some numbers um, to that to give you some real perspective. So when you say moose are the largest member of the deer family, I want everybody to know you ain't kidding. Exactly. So, so what are we looking at size-wise for a moose? Okay. Well, think big. You know, and I know I'm going to regret this, but here it goes. Because of Daryl's infatuation with bears, I know many of our followers are familiar with bears. So let's start with the good old American black bear. You know, they tend to be eh, two to four hundred pounds. So think of a very large black bear as twice the size of a human. Now let's jump to uh, the grizzly, the brown bear, like the ones that are found in Yellowstone. So a large inland grizzly can weigh in the 600 pound range. So now we're three to four times the size of the average adult human. That's a pretty big bear, just for the record. Now let's look at those coastal Alaskan brown bears. You know, these are the ones that you always see along the Alaskan and Canadian coast that are feeding on salmon. Those are monster bears, sometimes tipping the scale at like 1,000 to 1,200 pounds. You know, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Steph, but why are you focusing so much on bears right now? <laughs> well, if folks are familiar with those those big coastal Alaskan brown bears, then now they have an idea of what an average run-of-the-mill like adult moose might weigh. You know, the adult males, they often go over a thousand pounds and an extremely big bull moose might actually tip the scales at around 1,400 pounds. That is a honking huge animal. You know, another reference um, most Americans may know are Clydesdale horses. That's those ginormous horses that are known for pulling the wagon on uh, certain beer commercials. 
So those guys are are about the same size as a moose. They they do weigh a smidge more though. I so very much appreciate those those analogies. And you again knocked it right out of the park because comparing a, a lot of people know those big Alaskan brown bears are just like monstrous animals. And I love the analogy with with the Clydesdale. Everyone always falls in love with those Super Bowl commercial Clydesdale. And that's that's the size of the animal that we're well, talking about. Yep. For the for the record, the reason why uh, you know because I, I know that the weight of the the coastal Alaskan brown bear is probably a little more in the ballpark um, that we were looking for because the Clydesdales do weigh a little more. But the thing that people just really need to understand is you know that when it comes to, if you put one of those those big coastal brown bears and you stood him next to a moose, is I don't want to say he's going to look like a shrimp because I mean. And yeah, dude's got some mass to him, but the the sheer overall height of you know the the a big bull moose is is beyond compare. Quite honestly, yeah, unless it's here in like Africa where you can look at those megafauna like that, they're just they're gigantic. Yeah, they're pretty much like on stilts, and that that's what makes them like so breathtaking. So, um, can I talk? go ahead. Yep. I, I'm sorry, I'm loving this. I interrupted you. This brilliant of me. Um, <laughs> so the very first time that I ever saw a bull moose, I was probably about 14 years old and we were in um, Ontario, Canada, fishing out in the middle of the wilderness. So we're on this, this little boat, um, you know, it's like a motor that you could literally carry in your arms because it's, we're literally in the, you know, on a, a lake that's in a, in a river system that never gets visitors because it's so remote. Um, fishing was fantastic. Anyway, so we're, we're, I would say tooling along with that makes it sound like we had some speed. So we're putzing along, um, <laughs> with our, our tiny little outboard motor on this boat and up ahead of us standing in the middle of the river, there's this, this bull moose. And, and it was just absolutely fantastically huge. I remember I was looking at him and he's standing in the water and, um, it was really cool. I couldn't even see his, like his legs. I could see his chest and his belly. They were above the the water line um and what i could see of this guy i mean he was huge his his rack was literally the size of our boat so as we got a little closer he wasn't super afraid because i mean he knows that he was way bigger and obviously better than all of us so he still kind of saunters off and, and does his thing and he goes off into the woods but the really cool thing is when we got to approximately where he had been standing in the water i asked my dad i said how deep is it here and he said well you got a fishing pole you know, see if you can touch bottom. So I literally, and I'm not going to tell everybody that I use mega, mega long, you know, fishing poles. I was probably about a five foot long pole. And I reached down um, into the water and I actually put my arm down into the water as well before I felt the bottom of the water or before I felt the bottom of the, the river. Yeah. Yeah. No, th I totally get that because my very first experience with a moose, I, I was up in Canada as well. I was going backpacking in Algonquin Provincial Park. And I forget, I'm trying to remember what vehicle I was driving, but the very first moose I saw in my life, I passed him doing about 70 miles an hour on a highway. And he was standing on the side of the road. And when I went by, it was like I was looking up at him. <laughs> and yeah. I was thinking, man, if you hit that thing with your vehicle, all you are doing is taking out his legs and that whole body is going right through the windshield and everything else. And it, it like, it scared me. It freaked me out after that, but yeah. 
Man, okay. Well, I know this is futile of me asking you this, but did you ever happen to see that viral video of that giant Alaskan moose that was like walking down the road next to the car that was filming it? He he was he was more or less sauntering in the median. Did you send me that video? Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> but doesn't doesn't necessarily mean you looked at it. Ah. You know, valid point. Um, fortunately for you, though, I, I did. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know which one you're talking about. And now you know why I say that it's one honking big animal. You know, that big adult bull moose dwarfed a couple of those vehicles. Yeah, it, absolutely. And and what I may do since we're doing this this podcast is I might post that video on our um, Wildlife for You Facebook page so everyone could understand what we're talking about. But keep in mind, in, in that video that uh, I will post and that we're talking about now, it, what it was, it was an Alaskan moose. And they tend to be much larger than, say, a moose that you might found, find in, like, Colorado or me looking out my window here in Utah. Uh, remember, folks, there's this thing called Bergman's Rule about body size. Now, that is definitely at play here. Now, remember, with this Bergman's rule, animals of the same species tend to get larger the further north you go. Well, I mean, it's north or south, right? Like anywhere when you get close to the poles. Yeah, yeah. The very good correction there. But the colder the region, like you said, getting closer to the poles, whether or not it be north pole or south pole, the closer you get to those poles, the larger body size those animals carry. Yep. And hey, speaking of geographic region, we probably ought to tell our listeners that moose are actually fairly widespread globally. You know, they are definitely more a northern latitude animal since, again, they do love the cold. But besides being found in North America, you can find them in many parts of Europe and Asia. Obviously, Russia is a big stronghold for moose, but they um, are also found in strong numbers in countries like Sweden or Finland or Norway and the, the typical cold weather northern countries. Yeah, and that cold weather is so extremely important. And in fact, moose pretty much rely on it. Now, you got to understand moose, their bodies are not adapted to warmer temperatures, say like above 80 degrees. One of the reasons they, they lack sweat glands and they have to figure out because they don't have that ability to sweat and thermoregulate internally, uh, they have to figure out how to cool themselves down. And so during warm spells, when you do have those, those periods of, of temperatures that are above 80 degrees, they're going to have to find shade. And oftentimes those animals, those big animals, they're going to enter a body of, of water to cool themselves down, which actually kind of suits them because they often feed on that aquatic vegetation. And that's just like what I was saying with the, the moose that we saw that was standing in the river whenever you know I was, I was fishing. He would literally dip his ginormous head way down into that, that river and he would, you know, come up chewing on a bunch of, you know, aquatic vegetation. So that aquatic vegetation is definitely one of their main staples in the summer um, and fall. But when fresh vegetation is scarce, moose will become predominantly browsers. So they'll be eating twigs, 
um, and buds off of trees and saplings. Yeah. Hey, hey, can we go back to that cold weather discussion real quick? Sure. Well, because moose prefer cold weather climates, as you can imagine, they're getting heavily impacted by climate change. So besides not being able to handle that heat stress in those more southern latitudes, climate change is presenting some other issues that are affecting moose populations. Yeah, this is actually a perfect example of trophic cascades, that situation where there's that ripple effect in a tightly knitted ecosystem. So for example, you know, one would think that the, the primary climate change issue would be the increased temperature, you know, and that effect that it has on the moose's body, like you were just talking about. But there's more to it than that. Climate change is allowing more deer, both whitetail and blacktail, to expand more north into moose habitat. And so with them, they're also bringing parasites and disease that are impacting moose populations. So, you know, sadly, ticks are having a major impact on moose in the more southern latitudes. The high parasite load is taking a toll on some of those younger moose and, you know, they can't gain enough body fat to survive the winter. So guess what they become then? Uh, let me guess. Lunch? <laughs> Dinner, breakfast. Yeah, I mean, you name it. Uh, so imagine if you're a small wolf pack or a, a brown bear, a grizzly bear, and you're able to take down a weakened moose. You know, you're gaining a huge meal to help carry you through the winter. Yeah, and we talked about the sheer size of them being such large animals. And obviously those those wolf packs or the, that grizzly, they're not going to be taking down that 1,400-pound, like, honking, gigantic, big Alaskan adult bull. What they're going to be doing is they're going to be focusing on those those younger animals or, or those sick animals. Um, remember, like, like I just said, those full-blown healthy moose, they're a formidable opponent for any wild creature out there, especially humans. And just so you know, the funny thing is a simple search on Google will yield a plethora of videos where, where you're going to see moose chase people that get too close. And so, Man, can you imagine that stuff? Can you, well, you kind of did it in your canoe, but if, if you were walking down a trail and there was, whether or not it was a, an adult bull moose during the, the mating season or, or a mama with, with her calves, um, that's got to be such a harrowing experience. And so it's, yeah, harrowing and more humbling, one of the two. I guess it kind of depends on what the outcome is and, you know, how. How aware oh, yeah. you are, situational awareness. Because I've been out when I was hiking in the Rockies, um, I was going through, I guess you could call it kind of a, a lowland swampy kind of area. And, you know, obviously it was, it was definitely kind of a shallow pond area. And I came across a, a cow moose and her, her young offspring. And, you know, luckily, because it's in the middle of a national park, I would say that they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're a little more used to people probably oops you know walking up to him but i didn't get i didn't get close my version of close was still probably it was probably 50 feet before i i got to a clearing where i could even see them but you know it was it was really cool to to watch on the flip side you know when i was in alaska i guess it was two years ago and i'm out trekking to find a, a field scenario site and i come across a young bull you know he's, he's bigger than the, the the mature female was 
but it, it scared me to death because he was just so quiet and standing there and I'm traipsing right through the woods and he just stood there and watched me because he knew I was no threat. And I was just like, oh, slowly back up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And imagine if those animals suddenly like want to get you or escort you out. You, you see those videos. I said you could do a Google search and you can find these these videos where these moose will charge people and when you see the moose actually get really close to a person and you see that size difference as man, th those people are flirting with disaster. there, like that Melanie hatchet song. <laughs> yeah. I think I wonder sometimes if the problem with humans is they see all herbivores and think that they're nothing more than, you know, a, a wild version of yeah domesticated cattle. You know, yeah. they don't, they don't think that they're going to be aggressive or defensive or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. So, all right. Um, are there any other biological or morphological things we need to discuss regarding moose? Yeah, I mean, you've, we've, we've kind of mentioned it briefly. So how about we talk about their most defining characteristic? Ah, I imagine you're referring to those, those horns on the top of their head. <laughs> you're teasing me because a few episodes ago, I did a, an old man Johnson voice and I sarcastically called deer antlers horns. Um, yeah, I, I I remember that because actually when we were done with the podcast, you you called me and you're like, do you, do you think I did OK? Because uh, um, I mentioned horns and everyone knows that they're not horns. So anyway, I'm sure uh, you know the difference, but I'm not sure all of our listeners do. Ah, you know what? Good point. So to put it simply, folks, antlers are a bone like structure that grow from pedicles on the, the skull from members of the deer family. Um, so each year, and, and you guys, I, I know everybody here is familiar, excuse my dog here who coughed in the background. Yeah. yeah like that was your dog. That was you. <laughs> no, that's, a hairball. <laughs> the worst part is I think he's eating a rawhide. So we may hear more of that as he decides that he's anyway. Um, everybody knows what antler, what antlers and horns kind of look like, but each year deer shed the antlers and grow a new set. Um, told you he's going to keep doing that <laughs> anyway so they grow a new set and uh, and that's that's true for all of the the members of the deer family and we actually we in the the biology world we call those deciduous just like trees that lose their leaves that are called deciduous trees we say the same thing only these guys lose their antlers horns on the other hand are permanent structures they remain on the animal through its entire life and they grow a little bit every year. So animals like sheep and goats that, that you all are familiar with, they have horns as opposed to antlers. Yeah. And here's a crazy thing, folks. Um, Y'all know that moose have these this huge set of antlers, at least the adult bulls have. And so those gigantic petal-like structures, um, that is that, that, that's the set of antlers that moose carry. And believe it or not, that is all grown in the spring and the early summer because each and every year, just like Stephanie said, they shed those antlers and they grow a new set. So even those gigundous, you, you say ginormous, I say gigundous, but even though those gigundous antlers that they have there, that is all one year's growth. In fact, it's, it's literally just a, about a maybe a four or five month growth growth period. And in fact, Antler tissue, just so you know, this is this is why it's so miraculous. 
Antler tissue is one of the fastest growing tissues known in the mammal world, often eclipsing like over an inch growth per day. You can almost like see it growing before your eyes. Now keep in mind, only the male moose or the bulls develop antlers. You know, cow moose, those females, they do not have antlers. And young male moose, um, you know, obviously their, their antlers are going to be a bit smaller, um, but, but they, they grow. The, the size of the antlers grow in size as the animal ages. Yeah. And, and as we said before, those, those giant moose antlers, they're probably one of the most familiar and telltale features of the mighty, mighty moose. So, Steph, you, you think there's anything else we need to cover on moose? Um, you know, I, we could really probably go in a lot of depth, but I think that we covered a lot for a brief introduction into the moose world. So um, we've gone a little long the last few weeks. So what do you say we wrap up our discussion with, hey, how about another moose call? Hmm. Put me on the spot here, but um, I will try that. And just so you know, I actually appreciate you cutting this podcast a little bit shorter. I have been uh, so extremely busy trying to get my new house settled. So this will give me some time to go back to uh, digging out from about 8,000 boxes. But um, I, I do think these shorter episodes are much appreciated every once in a while, especially for me. So, okay, here, here I go. The, the other, another moose call. Again, this is a cow that is a little amorous. And this is what it sounds like. Well, at least I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I just, mm. I've decided, actually, I have decided that you sound like a brachiosaurus. Oh, like, how do you know what that sounds like? I watched Jurassic Park, just like everybody else. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I don't know how good it is, honestly, but but it is it is funny nonetheless. And I, if I know you, I think that you're probably rocking that that call. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Do you have any shout outs that you want to give this week? Why? Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Um, I, I was so so extremely flattered. Uh, like I said, I've been extremely busy, but. It, it was it was a wonderful thing to get an email from one of our listeners. Uh, I'll just give the first name because you yell at me if I give first and last. But uh, one of our listeners, Weston, wrote an uh, an email to us and just said so how very much he appreciated this podcast. And he's down in Arizona, I believe, if I recall correctly. And he was just so thrilled with the podcast as he listens to it all the time and. He was so anxious for, uh, for, to find out how he could sign up for the webinars uh, whenever we give those. And I will be given that information shortly after I get fully set up here. But Weston was just wonderful asking about, about the webinars. And I ended up giving him um, a sample into some of the things that we have talked about on Wildlife for You over the last three or four years. And he was just so gracious and so thankful. And I just want everyone to know how much we appreciate each and every one of our listeners. And when you reach out to us and, and tell us that you appreciate us back, man, that, that is such a good feeling inside. So thank you. Wes. <coughs> I, Sorry, Wes, Carol. <laughs> Hold on. Another one. <coughs> Sneeze or cough? 
Um, it was a sneeze. Oh, I think I'm done. It's allergy okay. season in Tennessee. It's allergy season in the world. So, um, um, yeah. So, okay, that that was my shout out for Weston. Huge thank you for that that email you sent. We really do appreciate it. So, Steph, do you have any special shout outs? Um, only to mention that I also actually emailed Weston. I told him I appreciated the kind words and that he needed to be careful of what he said to you because I have to put up with you all year all the time <laughs> and I didn't need your ego going out of whack. Um, and he apologized and said he, <laughs> he realizes that, that, you know, that sometimes I have to, I have to tolerate like long-term things anyway. Um, no, other than that, I, which, you know, kudos to him. He's, he took that all in, in good stride too. As always, thanks for tuning in, folks. And we do recommend, of course, that you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform so that you know when we have new episodes. And feel free to tell your family, friends, and anybody else who has ears about our episodes so that they can also tune in. Because, of course, um, you know, there's lots of other things, by the way, that you can do. You can follow us on on Facebook and you can visit our our website at wildlifeforyou.com. But the, the coolest thing and the reason why we always ask you guys to share our information is because when it comes to wildlife, your knowledge often means their existence. Night, folks. I am beat. I have been going nonstop for about three days straight. So I'm glad to hear you're finally working for a living. <laughs> you are uh, such a brat. <laughs>